Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Focus 90 podcast. I'm joined again by Danny and Sam. You right? Hello. And it sort of feels like a special guest, even though he's supposed to be one of the, the hosts of the podcast. We've got Adam with us today. Hello, Adam. Hello again. It does feel like a bit, I'm a bit of a guest. but It does feel that way. Um, I think we should start as a podcast by congratulating Liverpool on winning the league in, in November. It's a great achievement. Um, no, that's a bit, a bit of banter. But um, yeah, they beat City 3-1 in the, the big game. Uh, of the weekend a bit of a strange one Liverpool the passing and the, the everything seemed to be a little bit off with Liverpool for most of the game but they they pretty much dominated City how, how did how did that happen? Just clinical edge in front of goal I think and the fact that City's defence was was fairly atrocious for the majority of the game I think bringing Angelino in for a game like that was a strange decision having Otamendi who's obviously he's not had a great start to the season but he's actually a centre half so that would have been Instead of Fernandinho, and obviously Rodri's been out for five weeks and he got drafted straight back in. I think it'd have been better if he played Fernandinho in centre mid. I think that'd have improved them, but credit to Liverpool, I suppose. You mentioned that obviously City's defensive woes in that game. How did it get this bad? How how does a club with the the money of City not sort of realise whether, especially with company leaving in the summer, how how does it get that bad? Um, I think he made a mistake by not signing a new centre half because. Laporte was really their only good one but he works well with Otamendi and Stones set individually but when it goes to Stones and Otamendi they're a bit of a car crash and so is Stones and Fernandinho so I think they have to use January very smartly and get a new centre half in whether that's somebody who's going to start with Laporte when he's back or somebody that is just cover for him when he's injured like now who can fill the boots comfortably because Osmendi cannot do that. No. So Laporte's due back in sort of January time as well, isn't he? So that'll be a, a time maybe we'll see a completely new sort of back line of City. Who who could they get? Because they've got the money to sort of over overpay in inverted commas for a player who might not be worth the money they can splash. Who could they get to sort of sure properly sure things up at the back? I'm not sure if they could overpay, to be honest. I mean, they backed out of Maguire in the summer. They don't. Yeah. He always says that they don't like to spend... They don't. I don't think they're going to spend like more than sixty million. On but a it's a bit of back. a bit of a sort of crisis situation. Now they're nine points off the top, and the massive problem is at the back. I don't think he'll see it as a crisis when Laporte's back, though. That's, Maybe that's the only problem. I think that the only issue that they have at the moment is that they haven't got Laporte. Yeah, when he when he is back though, because you'd have to have someone else with him, obviously. And in those big games, like I don't think Laporte would have changed that much on. On Sunday, I think he would. No, I think he would. Have. Fernandinho and Angelino on that left hand side. Fernandinho wasn't even that bad, to be honest. But he's just, better at you know, he, covering the defence. Yeah. Um, Adam, the Liverpool obviously, despite maybe not playing their best, still pretty, pretty effective. And could they? It's a bit of a, obviously a cliche. Could they go unbeaten this season? Because have you seen much that could show they could be beaten this season? I, I don't see why they couldn't. I, I think the the, the squad that. Klopp has there and, and the way he's sort of created that squad and, and the way they're playing at the minute I, I couldn't see I can't see many teams that are going to beat them I, I don't I don't think they will go un, unbeaten but I think you know it's a possibility yeah they've got a lot of games in this everyone's got a lot of games through the Christmas period with the Club World Cup and things is that actually going to be that much of a problem as big as it's being made out to be what hell look, they have to travel all the way over to Qatar I yeah mean, that's it's not ideal Mid- middle of the season just before the Christmas period um, Depends how they manage that though. Also, not help with the fact they've got to take two different squads to yeah, over two different Villa days. and Qatar, which I mean, that that won't help at all. I don't think. 
Yeah, mm. although he'll probably play a team against Villa that he probably would have nearly played anyway. I know, but you think of players like say Chamberlain, Origi. Yeah. Are they going to go to Qatar or are they going to go to Villa? I'll have to wait and see. It's we'll exciting. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, just to finish off on City then, Pep said in, I think it was his post-match, that it might be impossible to catch Liverpool now. Obviously, he would just be saying that. But is it time for them to focus on the Champions League now? It's something that they've never won. Obviously, Liverpool never won the league, so you'd think they'll be focusing more on that this year. Is it? Would Pep be better off maybe resting players as as the season goes on in league games to have everyone fit for a second leg in the quarterfinals, for example? Yeah, I think so. I think Pep wants to win it. As much as he says, he'd, I think he said throughout the whole of last season that he'd rather win the Prem than the Champions League. I think deep down, he definitely does want to win the Champions League. That's sort of his tournament. I know he hasn't won it since Barcelona, but that is what he want, what he wants to win. And I think that's what the the top guys at Man City want him to win as well. Like yeah. They've won three Prems now, four Premier League titles mm, maybe. A few. I think that's all to do with becoming a sort of a massive club. I think yeah. every everyone would agree that you know City City are a massive club. But then when you look at what they've won, I think that's just the the one trophy that they really need to yeah they to do. win to sort of establish themselves as mm. that. Yeah, and do you think it could happen this year? Yeah, we've seen they, who who have you seen in the Champions League that could beat them? Honestly, Liverpool, to be honest. Yeah, I think Barcelona a lot of the big traded. sides are all in a bit of turmoil at the minute in the Champions League. Strange, isn't it? All the the Real Madrid's and the Juventus. Juventus PSG look quite good in the Champions League yeah. this year. Actually. They always seem to look good in the groups, though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but they then they fall so apart. Who did they go out to? Oh, was it United, United last year. Yeah. yeah, they really threw that away. Um, OK, it's so moving down the table. Second place occupied by Leicester now after a 2-0 win against Arsenal in the another massive game from the weekend. Um, the problems with Arsenal, they, they tried a, new form, a new-ish formation for this one. They played a 3-5 at the back, but it didn't seem to change absolutely anything. Is this is it the sort of the beginning of the end for Unai Emery now? I don't... How many windows does he want to, like, sign... Mm a new defender that actually goes straight into the team spent 30 million on that William Saliba but sent him straight back out to St Etienne so I forgot about that actually. it doesn't mm. it doesn't change anything like it's all well and good signing this new centre half for the future but if he doesn't come in straight away and get rid of the dead wood that they've already got then there's no point really Kieran Tierney has been okay and been in the games he's played well, yeah. he's got a good cross on him but that doesn't solve the issues that they have at centre half I think no David Luiz and Socrates and well, that was their defensive signing this dreadful. year, David Luiz. Yeah, but that's it's not even a good defensive signing in my opinion. No, and it's it just it just seems so obvious as well when you sign someone like Nicolas Pepe for probably over half of your budget for the season, mm. who you don't even play in these big games. It just there's something really wrong. I don't think it's just the the, the players. Uh, I think they don't, they don't have any leaders. Like you, you look at mm. that side and you look at some of the sort of you know the famous Arsenal sides from sort of like the Arsene Wenger era, and, and you, you, there's no leaders in that squad. There's no spine either. You, it's just not. You, you're never gonna sort of challenge for anything if you don't have any leaders in your team. Mm, well, I, I have a problem with strikers being captains most of the time. Anyway, mm. now Aubameyang's the, I think the official Arsenal captain now after all the, the Xhaka drama. But he's he's not he's not a leader, is he? So who would you give it to? Who, who would, um, when you look through that that squad, who who Bellerin. would you give it to? Who? Bellerin, probably. He seems to be sort of the one who loves the club the most, I think, but how much of a lead... And he's also very injury-prone as well. Mm. I think Socrates I is quite a leader. Socrates. He's just 
it's just a bit, show, yeah, in terms of like <laughs> performance like he's, he's not great their, their centre backs probably are their best David Luiz is also a bit of a, a leader character mm. but apart from that in the midfield you've got Guendouzi who might be in maybe the future maybe five years but he's not yet mm. you've got Torreira who doesn't no. play enough to be a captain Ceballos is on loan Ozil no, no. and then, then you've got no one left mm. so it, it's it's an interesting one Um don't take anything away from from Leicester. They they look really good again, and the whole sort of the front six pretty much for Leicester. Just the goals could come from anywhere in that front six, couldn't they? Yeah, they're pretty relentless at the moment. To be fair, in front of goal, it, I mean it always helps having someone like Vardy up front. But when even if he doesn't score, you'd you'd back someone like Madison, Tielemans, and our Perry midfield. Yeah, exactly, and that's what good sides have. They have goals from all over the pitch and. Well, that's helping them at the minute and also helps with the fact that they're keeping loads of clean sheets as well mm, I think this game was a bit of a different, a different test for them because they were, they were actually frustrated for a good mm. hour 70 minutes and Arsenal were making some chances they were because that came close a couple of times yeah they were, they were actually quite a wasteful Arsenal but they, they were frustrated for a long time Leicester and then they got the breakthrough mm. and then they obviously scored five minutes or so later and then they didn't look back they were in complete control from mm. there so it was it was a different test, but I think they were fully up to it. And it's just when do you think this this bubble is going to burst for Leicester? Depends how many injuries they get. I think. Yeah, they will settled eleven at the minute, but I mean they've not got a massive squad. Madison gets injured, or Tielemans. Who, yeah. come, who comes in? For them? Uh, Pratt. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's not. Okay, he's, not he's not a creative midfielder, is he? Just no. that squad depth. Yeah, that, that might let them down later on in the season. But I mean, if they stay injury free, then. Mm. Top four looks I think a at the defensive injury would yep. damage them a lot because they Wes Morgan comes Wes in. Morgan would Oof. come in, yeah, they, especially because he's very slow as well. He is. And a lot of teams in the in the league have pacey strikers. Yeah. Well, and even if they're not pacey, they're definitely quicker than yeah, Wes Morgan. Exactly. That's that's a problem. And as as you get older, injuries become more likely. And Vardy's not getting any younger. And if he gets out, Ian Acho comes in. It's completely different. Mm. So, different so where do you guys think that Leicester will actually finish then at the end of the season? Obviously, there's a long way to go. Fourth, I think. Fourth as well, I think. Yeah, I mm. think probably fourth. I thought they were going to get top six before the season started in front of United. But now with United and Spurs being literally nowhere to be seen really at the minute and Arsenal all over the place as well. Mm. And you'd expect the, the Chelsea, not bubble to burst, but them to be brought slightly back down to earth at some point in this season it's, it's theirs Champions League place is definitely theirs for the taking this year and I think they might do it yeah it'll be interesting to see if they do get a top form like what people like Madison do because I know he's been strongly linked with like United and stuff mm. if United finished like sixth or something would he drop down into Europa League or yeah in the Champions League it's whether you see it as a drop down or not because it's also a much bigger club United mm. like Maguire how he saw it as well Leicester were, weren't that much worse than United last year but he made the move yeah because I think if regardless of where Leicester finished if United could get the right players they could easily challenge again yeah because definitely. if they kept like Pogba and then brought in Madison they've got a good they've little their core attacking wise I think they're very good mm. one more midfielder and I think they'd be okay because McTominay and Pogba would be a good midfield yeah. I think and then I'd say maybe another defender to partner Maguire because I don't think Lindelof is no. that good yeah, they've got Wamba Saka who's obviously a decent player left back could maybe do with Brandon Williams 
well as Newcastle. Williams or Shaw. I think Shaw plays quite well for United. Yeah, it, it's a bit early to talk on Brandon Williams, but yeah, no, they've 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 got a good little. They could have a good future ahead, depending on how they spend their money. Mm. Um, mentioned Spurs just now. They've also dropped points again, drawing one all with Sheffield United. Although that might not be seen as that bad a point, considering how Sheffield United are doing this season. Mm. But they've dropped points again after going in the lead. Does this sort of have a like a look like a real mentality problem for Spurs because they've dropped points so many times from going ahead? No, I don't really know what what's going on with them. Like you look at the team they put out on Saturday, they've got couple of new signings in yep um, they didn't play any of like the Ericsson or Devaro de Tongan who three players who look like they don't want to be there and yet they still can't win so I don't, don't really know if it's mentality or they just managers lost the dressing room or I, I just can't put my finger on it do, do you think it's time for a change at, at Spurs I think not just the players but I top think down he's due, I think he should be allowed more time based on the fact how well he's done with them in the past without the backing. So if he gets some backing, then they could return to potentially challenging for the title, top four. But do you not think he got backed quite well in the summer? Yeah, it's the first time in since he's been there that he's been properly backed in a transfer window. Now they're in 12th, 13th, 14th. But when he has been third backed. in the season. Yeah. yeah but even, even when he was backed, Daniel Levy still left it till the 12th hour of the deadline to get the players in, which means... Other than Ndombele and Jack Clark, but obviously Clark went left again, um, which just doesn't give him any sort of time to sort of embed them into, into his team and in his ideas. Do you think he wants to be there though? I'm not sure anyone wants to be there. Do you think? Do you think with all the the speculation over the because I think of I think of Pochettino at Spurs, there hasn't been. I think before the sort of start of this season, there wasn't. There's never really been loads of speculation over his job, has there? Really, there's not been a, a real sort of nothing, nothing major. Not not like like it was at the start of, of the season. Do you do you think that that's still, even though we're sort of midway through, do you think that's that's still Im- influencing him? Mm, I'm not sure. I just I just don't know whether it's just gone stale. Maybe maybe it's just. So, so Danny, as you're sort of our, our Spurs correspondent, if <laughs> Spurs expert, if do you think if Spurs won the Champions League last year, which they, they could have done, but they didn't, yeah. would he have left then? Potentially, he did say he was going to, didn't he? I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. He said if they won the Champions League, then he was going to leave. I think. I don't okay. know if that was just In, or amongst those or words or whatever. Yeah. But so, so now they've not won it, but they got they came so close that he probably knows in his head they're not going to come that close mm. again for a while. Does he sort of feel like it, it's up, it's finished now? He's had his go, and he's he's fallen just short. Does he need something new now? Do Spurs need something new now? Potentially, Spurs do need something new. Um, I think How much of a risk would that be, though? Getting rid of Poch. I'm, I'm, I know I'm asking in circles here. Would be a big risk, but I mean, Mourinho's on the market at the moment, and yes, indeed, Mourinho seems like a type of man who fit fit them well. I think with the players that they've got, because they have got some good players I think obviously he always wants backing in the window so if they promise to back him I think he would do well with them but do you think he'd be the right man though for Spurs do you think with sort of the way that sort of Pochettino's gone about gone about his work at Spurs do you think that Mourinho would be the right fit mm, I don't know it, I don't doesn't, know it doesn't seem like in my head it could work I don't know if anywhere's the right I'd fit be for surprised. Mourinho you just seem but yeah, with the way that he ended mm. Man U he was very the way he's ended every club, really. Yeah, it's 
Mm. I do think he was massively underrated at United. Though, yeah, that's, and I that's think that shows now. Well. Mm. No, I, I agree with that as well. It's just, it's just, it's difficult because if if they do get rid of Poch, who do they get in? I think if they're if they're gonna, it, it depends what sort of approach they're gonna take to it. If they're not gonna invest money into it, and they they are gonna potentially lose a few players at the end of the season. I think that, and they did, and they did lose Poch. I think they'd go down the route of maybe a sort of younger manager, mm. yeah. someone to try and sort of almost. I know it's still early days, but almost sort of emulate what Frank Lampard might have done at Chelsea. You know, if they're not going to yeah. inject a load of money into it, why not bring in a sort of a young young manager that can inspire the players and, and maybe bring through some younger younger talent? They've got some decent youth prospects as well. They've got these ones that have started coming into the first team a couple of times. Sort of your Oliver Skips and your. Troy Parrot, or whatever his name is, I think. <laughs> Maybe managers, I thought they were in my head. But they've got Jack Clark to come back as well. They've got some. Sessignon. Sessignon. Rosselso is young as well. They've got Dumbo is young. Yeah, exactly. They've got young players, so they can build a sort of a new look Spurs mm. around. You just have, to, just have to wait and see. Um, Take, again, nothing away from Sheffield United, who've looked really good this season, and they probably will feel a bit hard done by they didn't win that game. Yeah, I mean, it's like we said last week, isn't it? VAR. It's a joke. It's again, a really. joke. I d- the picture that Sheffield United put on Twitter with the the lines that they they were using, it's yeah. on side to me. It's always difficult head. to tell when because of angles and things, and if the lines are straight or if they're moved or anything like that. But it took three three and a half minutes to mm. to make that decision. And if it's taken that long, well. how clear and obvious is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, these are things that the AI was brought in to sort out, and it's genuinely made it worse. I'd just scrap it now. I think, up to me. I think I would as well, <laughs> which is which is bad because it is probably the way forward in getting things right. I just don't think they're going to scrap it. They won't. I know they won't. I really don't no. think they will, no, regardless of how many mistakes it makes. They'll see this year as like a tester, trial period, trial period for the season, and then whatever they get wrong this year, they'll work over the summer to improve it for next season that, I think the thing that baffles me Neil Swarbrick I think he's sort of in charge of VAR mm. he come out and said it's just been a 7 out of 10 this season I mean yeah I saw that what, what, what's what he, that? What's is he that good or bad is that 7's good it's, it's, yeah, it's above average above average I mean but I don't really know what he's been watching would you not fair. want it to be better than above average I definitely think you'd want it to be, want it to at, be at least a 9 pretty perfect if you're, if you're pretty a massive thing I think it's way off 7 well yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think so as well but if, he, if he's literally the advocate for it and he's saying it's a 7 out of 10 then you worry about you worry about why it's, it's not more than that. I guess at the same time you couldn't come out and go, oh yeah, it's a ten out of ten. It's been been perfect. No. It's been ideal because it just hasn't. And he definitely couldn't yeah. come out and say it was like a three. No, because it's it gets, his. Yeah. So he's obviously gone for a seven because it's a little bit above average. But but still, I'd say that's you ask the majority high. of fans, and and I think that'd be way off. Do you remember when it was brought in at the World Cup for the first time, and it didn't seem to have any of these real problems? Uh, you like, know, I think the real big issue with it is that they don't use the screens. That is, that is a massive That's thing. what they did at the World Cup. They used <coughs> the screens, and that helped them a lot because they could go over, and then the ref sees it for themselves. Yeah. I think it's a lot harder. I don't know what you guys think, but I think it's a lot harder for, say, if it's Mike Dean at the base. I can't remember where the base is, to be honest. Stotley Park. Yeah, that. Wherever. If he's up there, he's not at the game. He's not. It's, it's completely different. I think when you're there, you know how it's happened and what's happened, whether they're just viewing it on a screen. It's like what, me watching it on telly and saying that's offside. Yeah, the, I think it's, if he's yeah. if say if I don't know Michael Oliver's on the 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 ref of the game, if he goes over to the screen, I think he sees it differently, and he can actually tell whether it's offside or not. Mm. 
you know what I mean and you can let linesmen look at yeah. it as well for our sides it just seems so simple I think they've got to have the final say as well yeah Re- referees have got to have the final say if they could actually look at it and sort of assess what's happened like, like Sam says they're the ones that are actually there at the game they're seeing it sort of you know, through their own eyes so they should be able to make the decision would you have it on the big screen yeah so all the fans can see it fans as well. need to know what's going on because when you've got things like that goal for example when there's an offside in the build up not even before the goal not even before the assist what what do you how do you how can you oh, I try to say, how can you sort of tell in the crowd if if that's how, what they're looking for in the VAR yeah, that's, that's why they get booze <coughs> like so those Shepherd United fans sitting them. there for three and a half minutes not really knowing what's being looked at yeah it's how, just it's not fair on the fans who actually pay the money to go and watch like I don't know I just yeah I think put it on the big screen let the referees go to the little screens to view it for themselves and I think it would work a lot better but I think they're just making so much of a mess of it now and I'd like it to go it definitely takes away the excitement from oh, fans without, without a doubt like those Sheffield United fans celebrated then had to stop celebrating just and then sit just sit there and think we've just scored fairly and it's not counted but yeah. then even McGoldrick's was checked again wasn't it yeah which that was a goal that got disallowed McGoldrick's I mean Baldox, uh, Baldox, Baldox was checked yeah. sorry um, even then they're celebrating they have to stop celebrating for the check then celebrate again yeah. Just you don't know when to celebrate yeah mm. I found it hard watching it on the TV se- to and try and celebrate anything the first time you celebrate it's the same with every goal you're really like buzzing you're like really excited it's, you've, your team's just scored and when you have to celebrate a second time there's just not that same well, excitement like, there I like the thing. idea at the World Cup that you'd have this you know you'd obviously get the sort of technology review it so there'd almost be that sort of element of suspense about it and I kind of I don't know what it was but I kind of liked that idea but I think in the Premier League this season it's every single decision yeah no, it, know, is. Every it does decision. feel too much and, and when like you say when it's sort of takes three three and a half minutes as well yeah. that you just you know like you say fans don't know whether to to celebrate or not and and that should really be a sort of you know when your team scores that should that should be that sort of raw emotion that's yeah. that's the whole idea of, mm. of of going to the football so i think maybe the thing about the world cup though we've i think we found it more exciting because it was maybe between peru and, and denmark like we we weren't that bothered about who was going to benefit from that whereas obviously mm, but obviously in the Premier League, it, it can actually directly affect you whether if if Leicester have a goal disallowed or al- allowed that shouldn't be, Chelsea will lose points on them, for example. Or do you think it's because it's a new concept? Do you think because it was just, just new and it was just that? Yeah, I think, I think it, it definitely needs time to get used concept. to. It's going to stay, obviously. But the thing about maybe good strikers is how to sort of stay on side by an inch when you're running through. And if you if you have to check every single goal for VAR, it's going to take a minute to work out if they've timed it perfectly, or if they're offside. And it's just if that happens for every time a striker times his run perfectly, you're going to be doing it five times a weekend. Some of the offsides that are given though, like Firmino with his armpit, the player cannot <laughs> score with his armpit. Like what? It's just not possible. How can you, I you should like even if sometimes it's like the tip of their boot that's offside. That shouldn't. That that's how really that tough to obvious? give offside. How yeah, is that clear and obvious? But then how do you, how do you quantify what is clear and obvious? You know, it's it's, it's subjective. Like isn't if it? a, if like a the leg, like the whole foot and leg is offside, like offside's how they used to be. You know what I mean? Like before v- VAR was in, 
you'd have like there'd always be like controversy on Super Sunday where like say Aguero would be slightly offside and the goal was given like that because it's not clear and obvious the lino cannot tell that he's offside whereas Vard brings out all these lines sometimes they're wrong it's just takes away the fun even, like as, the, even as a neutral decisions like the Aubameyang one against Man United they're the ones that you want overturning which obviously was we was needed yeah but the ones like on Saturday for Sheffield United they were just it's just pointless to be honest but how do you decide what's clear and obvious then well clear and obvious isn't that? supposed to be for offsides offside offsides should be offside like it, sh- it shouldn't really be a a thing for that there shouldn't be a it's in line it shouldn't really be yeah, in the opinion of it shouldn't be in the opinion of somebody mm. but I think they're just taking it to an extreme that it doesn't really need to go to um, we should probably move on uh, so looking down towards the bottom of the table then Southampton 1 Everton 2 you can really tell that Southampton's troubles are deep when you let Everton win at your ground because mm. Everton don't win away but are they looking slightly better in recent weeks Everton Richarlison's oh. sort of picking up his game a bit they're, they're playing better yeah, I think yeah they are playing better. Um, was it was it always going to happen though? Because they're they're not really the 18th best team in the league. Yes, but then again, with the speculation over the manager's future, like there was obviously could have been taught that he'd lost the dressing room, so the results could have gone spiraling out of control. But fair enough to them, they've sort of shown a bit of character to to win away from home. I mean, the one in the cup got a late point against Spurs so yeah. I mean they're only three points off fifth which <laughs> is pretty mad to say how poor they've been yeah. I think that just shows the league this season to be fair it's like the championship this year just there's so few points between so many places mm. but it, mm. when you say things like that you think oh maybe in a couple of weeks they could be up there in top seven or whatever but they probably won't be two wins though and you yeah but you've got to rely on ten other teams not I know yeah. but you've got to think that most of them will probably be playing against each other so you're always going to sort of make ground on a few of yeah. them don't think I think with Marco Silva though Everton are such a mid-table side I, I really don't think he's a good boss at all I don't see what he's done in the Premier League previously that makes him such a good manager that could lead Everton to Europe he's had spells at clubs good yeah, spells at clubs but he, he's had never spell, actually, he had a spell at Hull and they still got relegated yeah, that's what I mean. like, he's never he had actually a spell seen at Watford the, and he got sacked so. so do you not think he's the manager to sort of take them not to the next all. level not at all but you see who they're linked with Mark Hughes and David Moyes David Moyes they're not going to do any better <laughs> Mark Hughes is a terrible manager David always, Moyes always is well past his sell by date Everton always seem like they seem like they're way off that where they sort of aspire to be mm. I don't know what it is but every single season they seem to spend spend plenty of money in the transfer window and then they just never they never really seem to sort of kick on I think their best manager in recent years has probably been Allardyce <laughs> I'd agree and, and they all booed him out it's boring, but it got them the results. Where, where did they finish under that? Like seven? No, it wasn't that high. I think, it's not, I think it was nine. Oh, but he must have brought them up because he, he had a good spell, so he would have brought them up the table. But and would you rather him. have Marco Silva making you finish 10th and actually seeing goals? Who's or would who you says they're going to finish 10th? Yeah. Yeah. They did last season, or wherever they finished, 8th or 9th, or wherever they got. What do they want? Because they sound like they want more than that. You can't boo Allardyce out and then as soon as Marco Silva comes in loses with, some yeah. games, you want him out as well Yeah, well, when he's playing better football. Do, do you think that's a problem with English managers then? Or do, do you think that's, do you think it's purely just Allardyce or do you think it's just people are a lot more sort of critical of, of 
British managers than they are foreign mm. ones. I just think managers like Allardyce are just boring. Like I won't really want Allardyce in charge of Leeds. It's just, I mean, he'd do a job, but uh, there is a select group of English managers that are, have been given this sort of name of boring, will get results, firefighters, but. Some some teams just need those managers. For but would you? Years. I was gonna say, would you not rather have a boring manager where you actually win games, or an attacking manager where you're gonna go on a run where you don't win for seven? Yeah. But then they might go on a win for seven. Do you think a lot they of them are overlooked though? Like if you look at uh, like British managers, you look at Brendan Rodgers. You know, should he have been considered for like the Arsenal job? I know it's going off at, uh, on a tangent, mm. but do you think for like the uh, like the Arsenal job? Do you think that they were always going to employ a foreign manager? Do you think mm. someone like him was overlooked? I think now what he's doing at Leicester, he will be considered for other jobs at the top. Mm. You've got to think Brendan Rodgers has managed Liverpool as well, which is a big job. Yeah, and took them close. I think it was more difficult to judge Rodgers at Celtic because how mm. do you judge a Celtic manager? Mm. You judge him yeah, as being bad when they don't win things. I think it's difficult for Gerrard to be linked with Premier League jobs because he's not actually won anything at Rangers no. because they're battling with Celtic. But then, if he beats Kilmarnock five nil, it didn't really show much because I think a lot of, I think every Premier League side, regardless if you're bottom, would beat Kilmarnock. It's not, it's not, it doesn't reflect how good they are as a manager. Whereas Rodgers had been at Liverpool and took them close, then went to Celtic and dominated Scotland and did well in Europe. So to be fair to Gerard, though, he's massively closed the gap since he went to Rangers, yeah, which is good management. Yeah, I was about to see how that, that season finishes. Um, We're going to take a break then and when we get back we'll look at the rest of the bottom of the table and look at the championship this season.